Welcome to the Books of Titans podcast, where I seek truth in the world's best books. I'm your host, Eric Rostad, coming to you from the beautiful Books of Titans studio in Franklin, Tennessee. My goal is to read 52 books per year and share what I'm learning. I'll talk a bit about each book, tie ideas together from a variety of genres, and share the one thing I always hope to remember from each book. Today I'm going to cover The Mind of the Maker by Dorothy Sayers. This is book 38 of 52 for my 2022 reading list. Well, this is the first book I've ever read by Dorothy Sayers, and I've wanted to read her for a while. Uh, she was a contemporary of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, and was, was friends with them as well. Uh, this book right that I'm covering today, The Mind of the Maker, is a work of nonfiction, but uh, Dorothy Sayers is is well known for her works of fiction and uh, in, in her works of detective novels. Uh, and they feature the Lord Peter Whimsey. So she has a, a number of these types of books, and I, I do hope to read them at some point. But for this book, uh, one of the key points is this. The characteristic common to God and man is the desire and ability to make things. Let me say it one more time. The characteristic common to God and man is the desire and ability to make things. So Sayers says that if we are made in the image of God and God is a creator, then one of our highest acts can be in creating, specifically in creating something out of nothing or, or creating something new. And the way that she, she talks about creating something out of nothing is, is by using the example of Hamlet by Shakespeare. So she actually contrasts that with a carpenter creating a table. The carpenter has to have some raw materials. The carpenter has to have wood. So at some point along the way, a tree had to have been chopped down, and then the carpenter uses the raw material, the wood, to, to create this table. So it's not out of nothing, but it's, it's out of wood and other raw materials. But can you say the same thing about Hamlet by Shakespeare? Because before Hamlet, there was no conception of Hamlet. There was not even a conception of non-Hamlet, of, of Hamlet not existing, because you needed to have Hamlet existing for there to be a, a not-Hamlet. Uh, and she goes into that uh, quite, quite a bit, which is, which is really interesting um, in, in thinking about the, the problem of evil. But, but what she says about Hamlet is that the creation of Hamlet is as close to humankind can get to creating something out of nothing. So it didn't exist before. Uh, maybe you could say that... that Shakespeare used raw materials of uh, other things he'd read or, um, you know, just his, his brain power or, or other things as his raw materials. But, but really Hamlet in, in the creation of Hamlet and things like Hamlet, art like Hamlet, is as close as we can get as humans to creating something out of nothing. I, I read a lot of these types of books, uh, ones that delve into art and the creative process. That's just something I'm, I'm very interested in. And, and I find ones ab about the writing process to be especially interesting because I, I love reading books and, and to, to pull the curtain back a little bit and to see how different people approach the writing of books. I, I just, I find it helps me to be a better reader, but then it also just helps me to ask questions and, and questions like the following, which are, are asked in this book. For instance, how, how much of the author is in the characters? And maybe how much should the author be in the characters? Like if you're reading about a character and the character says something, should you take that to be that the author thinks that or said that? 
how about this? Does the author start with an overall idea or does, does the author just let the story evolve? I've heard the, the example of just being in a car and, and as you're writing a book, you're, you're kind of, you, you approach it that way. Like you're driving this car at night, you're on a curvy road and, and your headlights are, are pretty dim. So all you're seeing is right in front of you. And you just kind of let the story evolve as, as you, you, you write about what's happening just directly in front of you, and then, and then it just kind of goes from there. Or instead, should you do you ha- should you have a an overall idea, and then and then go into that idea and and um, and, and kind of flush that out? Or is is a good structure finding a problem and then using the book to solve it uh, to to have solutions to that problem? Is that a good structure for writing a book? So these are just some of the questions uh, that that this book goes into. Um, my wife is, is a musical artist and, and we live in a city full of artists. And so I know these questions are being asked all the time, but what about non-artists? Uh, can we apply these ideas to our, to our own work? Can we view our work as art? Well, I'm, I'm going to attempt to answer this question in the next segment of this episode with my own line of work and, and to see if the ideas that were presented in the mind of the maker by Sayers, if those can be, those can be applied to other type of work. As for reading stats, this is a 225-page book. It took me five hours and six minutes to read it. That was over five days. Uh, I read about 45 pages per day, and that was between September 17 and 21. This book was written in 1941, so just at the start of, uh, of World War II. In the next segment, I, I will go through uh, kind of this idea of, of uh, problems and solutions. And then can you apply what is in this book if you're not an artist? Can you apply it to your everyday job? And then in segment three, I'll cover the one thing, my one key takeaway from The Mind of the Maker. Dorothy Sayers wrote detective novels, and what's interesting in this book is that she she sort of bashes them a little bit. Uh, and the reason why is that most detective novels start with a set of problems. Someone's been murdered, uh, this has happened, this has happened, and, and here are the problems. And then the rest of the book goes about offering solutions to those problems. Uh, they find the murderer, um, everything else is kind of tied up in a nice little bow at the end, and you've got this book, and, and they're popular for that reason. They, they offer a sort of escape. Uh, you've, you've got the problems, you've got the solutions, they're all in one nice package. Uh, but the problem is life doesn't work that way. And the creative process is not like that. You don't start with a set of problems and then go about solving them to create a work of art. Instead, the artist is seeking and pursuing a new creation. So let me just go into that a little bit more, and then I'll, I'll, I'll share how she talks about the structure of creativity. So she says, the artist does not see life as a problem to be solved, but as a medium for creation. And she shared one story, and again, kind of like my the, the Hamlet example in segment one, she uses a story from the New Testament that, uh, that kind of shed some more light on that, on this. And it's the story when, um, when the Pharisees come up to Jesus and they, and they ask, uh, this man, uh, this, or this, this woman had a husband, the husband died, and then the husband had brothers and, and they all died. And so in the resurrection, who of these seven would be her, her wife. 
And here's what Dorothy Sayers says. In the terms in which you said it, the problem is unanswerable. But in the kingdom of heaven, those terms do not apply. You have asked the question in a form that is much too limited. The solution must be brought in from outside your sphere of reference altogether. End quote. And, and, I, and I love that because uh, the way these the, the Pharisees were asking the question is in this problem and solution type of thing. Here's the problem we're presenting you with. Uh what is the solution to this problem? And the way that Jesus answers it is by taking it out of that framework, out of the problem-solution framework, and and saying, you, you know, you're not even thinking about it in the right terms. Like, you've, you've got to be thinking about it in a new way. There, there has to be a new creation, a new, a new mode of thinking about this, uh, because in, in the kingdom of heaven, that's not how things apply. So I, I loved that example, and, and it, again, it just kind of brought clarity to what she's talking about. Um, because I get, I guess, f- for me, the way I'm, I look at at work, uh, I, I don't consider my work to be to be artistry. I, I develop websites. I, I help clients with their online presence, um, but I, I view it solely in the terms of my client brings a problem to me and then I create a set of solutions that are online solutions for the problems that they're trying to solve. So that, that is my framework in going into my job in, into my work. And in reading this book, I just thought, is that the right framework? Uh, do you have to be an artist to think of things like this, that, that you're not solving a, a set of problems, but you're, uh, you're seeking to, to, to create something new. Uh, is that limited to artists or can, can I apply that in my, in my work? Can you apply that in what you do on a daily basis? And so that, that's kind of the things I got to thinking about as I was reading this book. And so I, I thought I'd just delve into that a little bit and maybe it'll help you kind of think through these, the questions I was having with your own line of work. Um, first, Sayers presents the the method of, of creativity, the structure of creativity in a Trinitarian structure, which, which was really neat. So, so there's the creative idea, you start with that, and then there's the creative energy or activity. So she calls that the begotten of the idea. So you, again, you, the first thing is the creative idea. You've got this idea, maybe uh, she, she said like Mozart would have the idea for the the entire song and that in, that idea would be in his head. The creative energy, the second piece of it, or the creative activity was Mozart writing that piece out. And then um, the creative power is the meaning of the work and its response in, to the lively soul. So the creative power is when someone hears the work of art uh, or, or the music or reads the book or, or sees the, the painting. That's the, where the creative power takes place. So all three of those things need to, to happen. All three of those are part of the creative process. Uh, she, she talks about that in, in the form of a book. So what would, the, what would it be in a book for the creative idea, the creative activity, and the creative power? As a book, it would be the book is thought. So the author is, 
is thinking about the book and has a thought, uh, maybe it just is a spark of, of this, this would make a great idea for a book. And then there's the book as written. So the book written out, the, the book incarnate, the book uh, having physical form, and then the book as read. So the book and the response from the reader, uh, all three of those parts are, are part of the, the creative process. So what what would that look like in in my line of work of 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 creating online presence for clients or developing websites? Is is there a way that I can look at it in in that manner as opposed to just problems and solutions? And so what if I did begin viewing it as more of a new creation uh, when it, when I'm approaching a project? What if I viewed it as a creator as, or as an artist instead of as, as a problem solver? Would that change how I approach the projects? Would it lead to better or worse results? And then what about you? What if you began viewing your work more from this vantage point? Or is this only a method of thinking for creatives and, and artists? I, I think what Dorothy Sayers is getting at in this book is that if we, she, you know, she asked the question, if, if we're made in the image of God, well, that, that means that all of us are creators and there's not this like special class of creators. We all are. And yes, certainly we all have different levels of talent and abilities, but if what she's asking is if we're made in the image of God, uh, that, that should lead to that all of us being creators. And, and perhaps we can all think about our work in that method instead of just as a problem solution structure. Now, I've only just posed this question to myself and haven't really implemented it yet on in, in my work, but, but it's something I want to do. And, and um, I think it'd be neat to approach things from, from that different vantage point. And so th- this book helped me think about the creative process and, and just work in general in, in a different manner. Now into segment three and the one thing, my one key takeaway from the mind of the maker. Well, let me give a little background first. I have, I've been thinking about the creative process, about art and how it's created for many years. I mean, 20 years at least, where I've really been digging deep into it and, and have sought to understand what goes into a novel or what goes into a work of art or a piece of music and what, what's behind it, what for the creator of that. Uh, how did they go about it? How did, how, did, how did they write it? How did the idea come? Uh, I, I, I just, I'm very interested in this. And, and so I love reading books like this. And so when I, when I, when I read another book along this topic, the main thing I'm going for is how is this one different from the other books I've read about it? And so this ties in with my one thing, because the, the one thing from the mind of the maker that I'm still thinking about that, that perhaps shifted how I thought about the artist was that the artist is, is there to make something new. It, it's not about just making something, but it's about making a new creation, I'd, I've always thought about art in terms of taking raw materials and, and then creating something out of that. Or I've, I've thought about it in terms of, of an artist approaching a problem and, and then coming up with solutions. But this is something different. This is creating something out of nothing. And I just haven't thought about it in that way before. And, and I really like that. 
And like I try to do in segment two is I, is there a way that I can ap- uh, apply that in my own life? If we all are creators, if we're all created in that image of God, who is a creator, if, if that's, if that's true, and there's not just this special class of, of artists out there who make the art and then everyone else just enjoys it, but that we all have that inside of us, this, this ability, this desire for creation. And then, and, and then if we view it that way of, of seeking to create something new, what would that do? What would that do for how we approach life in general, how we approach our jobs? Uh, maybe if we do have a, a a particular artistic outlet. What what does that do in how we approach that outlet? And so I loved that question. I loved that new way of of thinking about it. And and that's my main takeaway from the mind of the maker. So to recap, uh, this book this book goes into a lot of things. I mean, the first chapter is about law, like arbitrary law and natural law. And you're thinking, what in the world does that this have to do with the creative process? Um, and, and the book goes into just so many different ideas, and but centers around this idea of the artist and the creative aspect of, of bringing something new into the world. If you are a creative, this is, this is your book. You need, you need to read this. If you're someone who's interested in, in that process of how things do come about, uh, I think you'd really enjoy this one. Uh, I've got another book on my list this year that that goes into to art as well. It's called Why Art Matters by Alistair Gordon. And so I, I look forward to reading that one as, as well. Um, and and maybe someday I'll, I'll write a blog post or something about the the different books I've read about this this topic and then just kind of go into the the pros and cons of of each one. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. I would love to hear from you if you've read this book or other books by Dorothy Sayers. You can email me at eric at booksoftitans.com. And uh, you can also follow me on Instagram or Twitter. It's just at Books of Titans. And please go to the website because I have a a ton of resources there. I spend a lot of time on that site and have reviews of books, uh, ideas for for reading, and uh, ideas for, for books to add to your reading list. I'll be back next week or the week after with another to discuss another book from this year's reading list. Until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out.